So let's go ahead and open up our Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Is that Christopher Thornton I see back there? Chris, God bless you, buddy. Amen. Good to see you. And Paul Greenwood, if you could talk to Richard uh, before you leave here today, I'd appreciate it, okay? Thank you so much. All right, Hebrews chapter 11. I'm going to start reading at verse 24. We're going to read verses 24 through 27. Let's pray for the reading of the Word of God and also for the offering that we're about to receive that uh, God would just bless each and everything that we do here from church. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we open up our Bibles now, Lord God, and we share the word of the Lord here this morning, I want to thank you, Lord God, for everyone, Lord God, that is here, everyone that is watching. But help us now, Lord God, to put our attention on your word here this morning. Anoint your word, Lord God. Give it life and guide us, Lord God, and direct us. Any area of our life, Lord God, that is lacking, if, so, if, those, if there are those that are discouraged or hurting or broken, we pray that your word would bring healing and encouragement and life, Lord God. For those of us, Lord God, that are struggling and that are having a hard time, we pray that your word would give us strength, Lord God, and the motivation to keep moving forward. For those of us, Lord God, that are uh, maybe being rebellious and disobedient and walking in sin and need to be rebuked, we pray that you would correct us, Lord God, and discipline us and straighten us out, Lord God. We give you permission to have your way in this place, Lord. Everyone's at a different place, at a different level, going through their own situations, Lord God, privately. And we pray, Father, that you would speak to our hearts through the power of your spirit and through the truth of your word. Give us light, Lord, and help us to escape darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 24. The Bible says this, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace. For the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking ahead to his reward. How many of you are looking forward to your reward in heaven one day? Amen. Praise God. Verse 27. By faith he left Egypt not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. So this section of scripture is found in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. In case uh, you, you're you're not aware of it. Hebrews chapter 11 uh, speaks about a number of people who we call the heroes of faith. And uh, it does, describes a number of people that have done amazing things for the Lord God throughout history. And, um, you know, we have to understand that these are all normal, regular men and women just like you, just like me. But they put their trust in the Lord. They were facing some crisis. They were facing some difficulties. And they trusted in God. They put their faith in God. And God did amazing things in their lives. And even though your name may not ever be in that chapter, or my name may not ever be in that chapter, how many of you would agree that our God has done amazing things in your life? Can you say amen, church? I mean, our God is good. I love that new song. Uh, he's a, not only he's a good, good father, but he's been so good 
to me. I love that song uh, every time it plays on the radio because it's true. God is so good to us, church. He's so wonderful. He's so great. And uh, it should encourage all of us to try to do more for the Lord. Can you say amen? To try to live our lives even more passionate and more dedicated and more obedient and, and more honorable to the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of these men that are mentioned in this section of scripture in Hebrews chapter 11 is Moses. Moses, the Bible says, was probably one of the most humblest men recorded in the Bible. And yet he was also one of the greatest leaders recorded in the Bible. Even up to today, the Jewish community all over the world, they honor and they respect the person of Moses. Okay, so in this section of scripture, it talks about Moses. And uh, again, most of us who attend church on a regular basis and who study the Bible have heard of Moses. We know that Moses was Hebrew. He was born to Jewish parents. His dad was Amram and his mother was Joshebed and they were from the tribe of Levi. In Numbers chapter 26 verse 59 the Bible says this, the name of Amram's wife was Joshebed, a descendant of Levi who was born to the Levites in Egypt. To Amram she bore Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Okay, so we know that Moses was also born during a time in history when the Jewish people were slaves in Egypt and during a time when Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, was killing all the boy Hebrew children. And in the book of Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, it says this, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. You know, when you study the history of the Jewish people, it, you can't help but to see how tragic their history has been. In this particular section of Scripture, as the Jewish people had grown to over a million people, remember they started off with uh, Joseph and, uh, and his 11 brothers and their, and their families, and they grew in Egypt. Uh, after the famine, and they became over close to 2 million people in the land of Egypt. And sadly here, uh, all the boys that were Jewish were getting killed. And we know that in the days of Jesus, in the days when Jesus was born, Herod, who was Jewish, sadly, but Herod put an order in for all the, all the boys that were two years old and younger, also to be killed. Such, they have such a violent history. And then we know what happened, of course, in World War II when the Nazis were targeting the Jewish people and they killed over 6 million uh, Jewish people. So we see that throughout, and even today, sadly, uh, there's a lot of anti-Semitism. Even today, sadly, there's so many nations, the Arab nations around Israel right now are hostile towards the Jew. That's why we need to pray for the Jewish people. That's why we need that we have the Jewish flag, the Israeli flag here at church. Let's keep our Jewish friends in prayer constantly and the nation of Israel in prayer constantly. Can you say amen, church? Because they've had some really tragic things happening in their lives. And sadly, even the church is guilty of persecuting the Jewish people. If you study history, you'll see the, Christ, the, the Christian crusaders that would go out and they would force the Jewish people to become Christian or else they would kill them. So even the church has been guilty of some bad treatment of the Jewish people. And here, sadly, all the boys were being drowned in the Nile River. Thousands of Hebrew baby boys were drowned and killed in the Nile River. But Moses' life was saved by Pharaoh's 
daughter when she took him in out of the water. Let's read that very quickly, please. In the book of Exodus chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. Now remember, this is Pharaoh's daughter. That means that after Pharaoh dies, her son, whoever that son was going to be, he was going to be the next in line to be the next ruler of Egypt. Okay? She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister, does anybody remember what Moses' sister's name is? Anybody? Bible test? Who said Miriam? I heard a little voice over here. Miriam, okay? Miriam is his sister. So Miriam was checking things out, kind of spying out the land. It says, then his sister Miriam asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Hey, did Moses' mom get blessed or what? I mean, she was terrified thinking that her little boy was going to be drowned in the Nile River, killed and murdered in the Nile River. And uh, so she put him out there, and Pharaoh's daughter uh, plucked him out of the water. And not only did she pluck him out of the water, but she allowed, she allowed uh, Moses' real mom to take care of him at, until he got old enough to be given to Pharaoh's daughter. And she even got paid for it to top it off, which is a really cool thing. Okay? So, the amazing thing that Moses' life is about is that even though he was born a Hebrew slave, because he was taken in by Pharaoh's daughter, he grew up as an Egyptian. He grew up in the home of Pharaoh. He went to the best schools available at that time. He had all of his clothing specially made. He ate the best foods available to man, uh, to man of, to the men of his day. He was being trained and educated to one day be the next ruler of Egypt. Just try to imagine he grew up with the Kardashians, okay? That's how Moses kind of grew up. Spoiled, spoiled, spoiled. He, wanted every, he got everything that he wanted. Excellent education, excellent training, excellent everything that was available to man at that time. But let's go back to our text for this morning found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24, and it says this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The Bible says that when Moses grew up, how many of you know that we all eventually have to grow up and face reality in life? Would you guys agree with that? Can you say amen? We all have to grow up. When he was no longer a child, when he was no longer dependent on his Egyptian stepmom, when he became a young man, when he was able to distinguish between right and wrong, when he was able to make his own decisions, when he was able to make up his own mind about how he would live his life, when Moses grew up, Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What did Pharaoh's daughter and household represent? In the days of Moses, Pharaoh's household represented the political power 
of the world, the economic power of the world, the influential power of the world. Egypt and Pharaoh ruled the known world at that time. Pharaoh was a dictator. Pharaoh was looked at by the people as God Almighty. The Pharaoh and his house represented all of the desires of the world in terms of complete political power, complete control of human resources, complete control of properties, complete control of people's lives. Pharaoh represented God to the people of Egypt and all of its conquered people. Pharaoh's household was the house of the gods. Nothing could be refused to the household of Pharaoh. Moses, even though he was Hebrew, belonged to Pharaoh's household. But you see, the Bible tells us that one day Moses grew up. And when Moses grew up, he realized that there was someone greater than Pharaoh and his household. When he grew up, Moses realized that Pharaoh was just a man and not God or not a God. Somehow, some way, the Bible does not give us any details of how Moses came to faith. All we know is that the Bible, uh, is that Moses came to realize that he was not Egyptian, but he was Hebrew. And we know that uh, once he did know that he was Hebrew, he wanted to see his people released from bondage. Listen to what it says in Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. Let me read that again. It says this. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, verse 10 says this, when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. Verse 11, one day after Moses had grown up, let me read that again. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, looking this way and that and seeing no one. He killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Again, the Bible does not give us any details about what happened to Moses and how he came to faith. But somehow and some way, when Moses grew up, he realized and he discovered the true and living God. He discovered the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He discovered the history of the Hebrew people, that it started off with Joseph and his 11 brothers being brought to Egypt. And at first, Joseph, of course, he was assisting the Pharaoh at that time. He was in power. But after 400 years, they became slaves and became a threat to the Egyptians. Moses, when he grew up, realized that there was one greater than Pharaoh and his household. And his name is God Almighty, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 21 verse 10 says, his name is Jehovah Jireh, God my provider. In Exodus 15 26, his name is Jehovah Rapha, God my healer. As a matter of fact, I see my wife Julie sitting right here in the front row. And I, since she's been studying the names of God, memorizing the names 
things of God, instead of me telling them this is another opportunity to have her come up and share the word of the Lord by giving you the names of God here this morning, okay? Praise God. <laughs> okay. Praise God. Well, there's many names of God. These are just ones that I have put to memory and in my heart. And they mean, you know, they mean something to me because of the, like Jerry was mentioning, the scriptures, the verses, and all of these that I'm going to read have something. It's where it happened in the Bible, where God was named, uh, his, one of his names, his character. It teaches me who he is in, circumst- um, in certain circumstances, amen, things we go through. So number one, Jehovah, self-existing God, the great I am. Number two, Jehovah Ra, he's our shepherd, our good shepherd, and that's from Psalm 23. Number three, Jehovah Rapha, he's our healer. Number four, Jehovah Nisi, he's our banner, our victory. Number five, Jehovah Sidkenu, he's our righteousness. And that's important to remember, like, because we, we fail many times. You know, we fall, and, and then we have to just continue to walk in his righteousness. Amen. He covers us. Je- number six, Jehovah Mekadish. He's our sanctifier. And I say that a lot uh, when I pray with our team because he needs to sanctify us. You know, he, he's the one that does it, not us, you know. Number seven, Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. Number eight, Jehovah Shalom. He's our peace. He's the Lord of peace. Amen. Number nine, Jehovah Sabiath. He's the commander of heaven's army. And I love that because sometimes when things are going, you know, big things are happening, you know, I, re- I remember he's Jehovah Sabiath. He's the commander of heaven's army. I mean, he's like the top, you know, <laughs> right? Number 10, Jehovah Elo- Elohenu the Lord our God. Number 11, Jehovah Eloha, the Lord my God. And 12, Jehovah, I mean, yeah, 12? Did I say? 12, Jehovah Hosinu, the Lord our maker. 13, Jehovah Mauzi, my strength. 14, Jehovah Sherub, he's the glorious sword. Number 15, Jehovah Shama, he is there. He is everywhere. When you say, God, where is God? Then I remember he's Jehovah Shammah. He is there. 16, El. He's the God of power and might. 17, El Elyon. He's the most high God. 18, El Olam. He's the everlasting God. 19, El Shaddai. He's the almighty, the all-sufficient one, which means he's enough. Amen. 20, Elohim, he's the triune God, the creator. 21, El Rai, the God who sees me. When you say, nobody sees me, nobody cares. Oh, yes, El Rai, he sees you. He knows where you are. 22, El Nasa, he's the forgiving God. 23, Emmanuel, he is God with us. 24, he's our Abba, he's our father. 25, He's Adonai. He's our Lord, our teacher, our master. Amen. That's it. (laughs) Good job, Julie. Awesome. Very, very good. So we know that our God is a great I am. Can you say amen, church? I mean, he is what he needs to be at any moment of your life. That's what makes him so 
amazing. And the Bible says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter because he realized that he was not a son of Pharaoh's daughter. He realized that he was a child of God. He was a child of the living God, the true and living God. He was a child, a son of the creator of the heavens and the earth. And if he had to take his choice between Pharaoh or almighty God, guess what? Almighty God wins every time. Can you say amen, church? And Moses refused to be part of Pharaoh's household. I swallowed the saliva in the wrong place. Hold on. I'm getting too excited talking about God here. Praise God. So anyways, Moses um, refused to be part of Pharaoh's household, but chose instead to be a member of the house of God. How many of you are glad that you are in church here this morning? Thank you, Roy. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you are glad that you are members of the household of God? Can you say amen, church? Praise God for that. We just need to appreciate who we are in Christ. Hold on, let me take a drink of this. I know it's going to make all of you thirsty, okay? But you be patient with me, all right? Aren't you guys getting thirsty right now? I know you are. Okay, very good. Anyways, Moses was basically being tempted with the same temptation that Jesus was tempted with. In the book of Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, it says this. Again, The devil took him, took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Listen, Moses had the opportunity to rule the kingdoms of the known world of his time. But you see, the Bible says that he grew up and somehow discovered that he was a child of God and that he belonged to God's household and he had discovered his true identity in God and he discovered that being a child of God was greater than being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He discovered that being a child of God was greater than being a grandson of Pharaoh. He was not Egyptian. He was Hebrew and he was a member of the people of God in the same way that Moses discovered that his true identity was not related to the people of this world but was in God, you and I who are in Christ today need to understand what our true identity is. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 tells us about who we were without Christ. It says this in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 3 tells us that we were children of wrath. We were children of this present age. We were dead in transgressions and sins. We we did follow the ways of this world. We followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air. We followed the desires and thoughts and cravings of our flesh. And all it did was give us in, get us into trouble and more trouble and more trouble. But now when we came
came to Christ, when we finally came of age, when we were made alive, when we grew up, something happened to you, something happened to me, something we realized that the true and living God was calling us. And when God came into our lives, he, we, he set us free by the power of the Holy Spirit. When we were born, when we received the free gift of salvation, something happened. We were dead and now we were alive. We were born again. We woke up. We grew up. We were born into a new kingdom. We were adopted into a new family, not Pharaoh's family, God's family. And we discovered that we were in the world, but we were not of the world. We need to understand our identity in Christ Jesus, who you are and who I am in and through Christ Jesus. Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 8.16 that we became children of God. The Bible says in Romans 8.17 that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. The Bible says in Galatians 4.28 that we are children of promise. The Bible says in Ephesians 5.8 that we were once darkness, but now we are children of light. And the Bible says in 1 John 3.10 that we were children of the devil, but now we are children of God. Because of Jesus Christ and his blood, we are God's people. We are children of Almighty God. We are the anointed of God. We are victorious in God. We are empowered by God. We, it may not look like it or feel like it sometimes, but we are kings and priests in and through Jesus Christ because of his blood. The kingdoms of this world may look impressive, but in Christ Jesus, we are citizens of a kingdom that far surpasses the kingdoms of this world. Listen, the Kardashians have nothing on God. Let me tell you that right now. If you're saved and you're a Christian, then, man, you are richer than any human being on this earth because of Jesus. You and I must understand our identity in and through Christ, who we are because Christ is in our lives, because we grew up and we received him as Lord and Savior. If we go back to Hebrews eleven twenty four through 27, it says this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. Let me just say this to you. Now, remember... I said that in the days of Moses, in the days of Moses, thousands of Hebrew children, baby boys, were being drowned in the Nile River. Remember when I said that? Can you say amen? Listen. Right now as I'm speaking, the Bible tells us that many people are on their way to hell. Did, I, did you guys hear what I'm saying? It's not a nice thing to say. It's a hard thing to say. But that's the reality of our world today. It says here in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. See if you can look that up, Joshua, because I'm skipping it. I'm going to Matthew seven thirteen. It says this. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. 
and only a few find it. How many of you would agree with me that Moses was pretty blessed when he got rescued from being drowned in that river, the Nile River, when he got rescued? How many of you would agree with me that Moses was blessed, that his life was spared at that moment? Would you agree with me? Can you say amen, church? Well, let me say this to all of us here this morning. Those of you that are listening online, if you are born again, if you are a child of God, if you are saved, forgiven, and on your way to heaven because you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know and understand that you are very, very blessed. And the reason I say that is because literally right now, I would say not only thousands of people, but literally millions of people right now are being thrown into the Nile River to be drowned. The Bible says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And there are many, many that go in through that gate. Many are choosing to reject God, to reject the truth, and choosing to do their own thing. And as a result, they are perishing millions of people every day. Now, I don't know how many people die every day, but a great percentage of those people that die every day are going straight to hell, spending eternity in hell. That's why I'm glad. I'm so glad for what Richard and Kathy are doing, what God has put on their hearts, that they're going onto the streets, and they're doing the best that they can to try to reach people in the streets. Thank God for those of you that are in church right now, those of you that are watching online right now, but literally there are millions of people all over the world right now that are lost and that are being thrown into the Nile, and unless something, unless they grow up, Unless they grow up and understand that God Almighty is real and He's here and He's available, they're going to go to hell. So the Bible says that thousands and thousands of babies were being thrown into the Nile River to be drowned. But by the grace of God, by the grace of God, Moses' life was spared. He got pulled out of that Nile River and his life was spared. I don't know why, church, but you and I are like Moses. You and I were in danger of being thrown into that Nile River to be drowned. And we should have been drowned. And we should have died. But for whatever reason, the reason that I can't explain to you and that I really don't understand, God chose to pluck you out of that river that was heading to destruction and death and hell. He chose to pluck you out. He chose to pluck me out. Why? I don't know. Okay? I don't know why. But I sure am glad that he did. Are you glad that God chose to pluck you out? Can you say amen? Because the Bible says, in that scripture that we just read a little while ago, it says here, okay? Let's see if I could find it in my notes again. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. We were on that road that led to destruction and many enter through it. 
but small is the gate and narrow the road that needs to life and only a few find it. Only a few find it. You are one of the chosen few that discovered the way to life, the way to eternal life in and through Jesus Christ. And that's why you and I, when we get up in the morning, we need to celebrate our salvation. We need to celebrate who our Heavenly Father is. We need to celebrate that we are Christians. We need to celebrate and be thankful that we are on God's side. Can you say amen, church? But there's a challenging part about that. There's a challenge involved with being chosen by God. You see, the sinner has it easy. The sinner has it easy because they're just flowing with the crowd. They're just doing their own thing. They're just running in their own program. You want to get loaded? Get loaded. You want to get you want to get drunk? Get drunk. You want to have sex? Have sex. You want to party? Have, they're just flowing. With, they're on their way to hell. They're on, their, they're on that road to destruction. They're going into that wide gate, doing their own thing. But once you get plucked out of that road of destruction and, you be, and you're planted into the household of God, your life and my life has to change. We have to grow up. Because now we are... Children of Almighty God. Can you say amen, church? We are children of God. And as children of God, we have a responsibility to live our lives in a way that glorifies God. And that's when we get into the next verse of Scripture. Okay? In the next verse of Scripture, it says here, if we go into our Bible text, in Hebrews chapter 11, look at verse 25. It says this. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. It mentions here that Moses chose to be mistreated. Sadly, in this particular season when Moses was alive, the people of God were being mistreated. They were slaves. They were being whipped and tortured, and abused, and malnourished, and experienced severe agony and torture. The Bible mentions that when Moses grew up, he was not willing to experience any mistreatment that the people of God were suffering. Let's see if we can try to understand what Moses chose to do. Moses was living in, Mo in, in Pharaoh's palace. He was living in luxury. He was pampered and spoiled and was able to indulge in whatever activity his heart desired. He had the whole world at his disposal and he chose to leave that life, abandon that life, and instead join the Hebrew slaves that were living in horrible conditions and who were being treated worse than animals. The Bible tells us that he chose to be mistreated along with the people of God. It kind of reminds me of Jesus and what the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 8. It says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Listen to this. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. How many of you are glad that God loved us enough to leave his throne in heaven? He left his throne in heaven to come down to earth where you and I live and where the Bible says in Revelation the devil was cast down to this earth to and allow the freedom to, 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 to raise havoc on this earth. And God came, Jesus came down to this earth where not only you and I are, but where the devil exists. 
so that you and I could receive salvation. He says this, verse 7, Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus left his beautiful throne in heaven and he chose to come to earth with us. He chose to be mistreated, rejected, tortured, and killed for us. Moses also chose to be mistreated in order to follow God. The closest thing that I could probably get to for us today as an example is a Muslim who lives in a Muslim nation and he or she turns his life over to God. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? If you have an individual, now in this country, thank God, if you become a Christian, nobody's going to really give you a hard time. They may not like you, but they're not going to give you a hard time. But in a Muslim nation where everyone is being forced and obligated to be Muslim, and if someone turns Christian in one of these Muslim nations, probably one that comes to mind is Indonesia. Indonesia has the greatest percentage or amount of Muslim people in the world. Indonesia. Very harsh. There are certain islands on the, in, in Indonesia that are 100% Muslim. 100%. Can you imagine if one person becomes Christian in one of those islands where it's 100% Muslim? Do you know and understand the type of persecution that that individual will experience and go through simply because they've abandoned the Muslim faith and went into the Christian faith because they accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And sometimes, sadly, that's what it takes. That's the kind of commitment that it takes to follow Jesus. Thank God you don't have to deal with that. I don't have to deal with that. But there are people around the world. That's their reality. Are you guys following me? Can you say amen? This is the reality that Moses faced. He was a Muslim and now he's Christian. And now he's being mistreated. We must, another thing that we need to see here that pertains to us as the people of God is that we need to accept our responsibility in and through Christ or as Christ followers. We must daily go to our God and ask him to help us in our battle against sin and the temporary pleasure that comes with sin. To be established in God, we must choose to the narrow road that leads to life. We must choose a narrow road that is at times difficult and inconvenient and very uncomfortable and sometimes very humbling. We must learn to crucify the flesh with its desires and passions. Let's be clear. There is nothing wrong with fulfilling our desires and passions as long as they are done within the parameters and boundaries established by our God in the scriptures. Listen, God created us. He made us. He wired us. He knows that we have desires. He knows that we have passions. He knows that we have needs. He knows that that, that, that we're driven by these emotions, but they they have to be kept in check and they have to be exercised within the boundaries and the parameters allowed by the Bible. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? It requires discipline. We can't just do whatever we want anymore. We just can't go where, where, wherever we want. We can't be treating people the way we want. We can't just be doing whatever we want. Now we are children of God. We are grown up and we represent a holy and righteous and powerful God. We are his people. We need to be thankful that we're saved. We need to be thankful that he chose us and plucked us out of that 
that road of destruction. But now we need to serve him, serve him loyally with all of our hearts. And it requires discipline. And we need to go to our God daily and say, God, please help me. Help me to resist the power of sin that wants to drive me back into the world. The Bible tells us specifically to flee fornication, flee youthful lust, flee from idolatry. We must learn to resist the devil. We must learn to fight the good fight of faith. We must learn to walk in the light. We must learn to walk in the spirit so that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The reality is that resisting sin is painful and requires sacrifice and it is difficult. And church, it is an everyday battle. Let me read Hebrews 11.25 again. It says, He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Let's get real here a little bit. Resisting sin is hard. Saying no to something that you want is very, very hard. Don't try to pretend that you're Mr. Holy or Miss Righteous. It's hard for every single one of us. Even though I'm up here and I'm the pastor, it's just as hard for me as it is for you. All of us have to battle this sin nature in us every single day. And every single day, we need to go to our God and ask him, Lord God, help me to be a loyal follower of your kingdom. Every day, church. If you're in a difficult marriage, it's going to be a sacrifice and painful to stay in that marriage and try to work things out. If you're going through, if you're lonely and and you're looking to hook up with someone, it's going to be difficult to resist going out to a club or going out to a bar to hook up with someone. It's going to hurt. It's going to be challenging to do what's right before God. If you're going through suffering or affliction or persecution or trials or tribulation or heartaches uh, or pain or hurt, or if you're being taken advantage of or being mistreated, following Jesus means having to go through times of making sacrifices rather than enjoying the passing pleasures of sin for a season will it be worth it to you every day you have to wake up i have to wake up and we have to ask ourselves is it worth it today to follow jesus or do i want to abandon god and just do my own thing every day we need to pray that church and we need to ask god to give us a strength to make it through that day. That's why the Bible says that the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Every single day, Lord, deliver me from the evil one. I know that you're greater. I know that you're stronger. I know that you're more powerful. But Lord, deliver us from the evil one. Let's go back to our text, and then we're going to close. It says this. By faith, in Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We need to ask ourselves the same question. Are we willing to choose to be mistreated along with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin? And verse 26 says this. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. It went from mistreated to disgrace. But we have to stop now. And we're going to continue what the Bible tells us here 
about what we can learn from Moses and his example and his life and why his name is in this book of Hebrews and why he's a champion in the service for Almighty God. How many of you want to be champions in your service to Jesus? Can you say amen, church? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord, and as we begin to break this down about what Moses went through, what he sacrificed, how he was willing to be disciplined, and how he was willing to go through whatever he needed to go through in order to be a faithful follower of you, Lord. Help us, Father, to learn from his example. Because, Lord, every day is a battle. But every day is an opportunity to surrender our lives afresh and anew to you. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die or to get killed or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand and we will pray. You are not a Christian and you want to surrender your life to the Lord. Those of you that are watching online, I want you to say this prayer of confession with me right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you. And I ask you, Lord, to forgive me of all my sins. I willingly surrender my life to you. And I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you said that prayer of repentance, if you committed your life to Jesus I want you to know that you're no longer on that road, that wide road that leads to destruction. You are now on that narrow road that leads to eternal life. You are now a child of God. You're on your way to heaven. And I congratulate you and we celebrate with you. And again, we want to encourage you. If you need a Bible, let us know. We'll get you a Bible. If you need information, we'll get you some information to get you started on your journey and walk with the Lord. I want to pray for the rest of us now that God will help us to honor the Lord with our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we leave this place here today, Lord God, first of all, we want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that we are saved. Thank you, Lord God, that you plucked us away from that road of destruction and you, Lord God, allowed us to be considered children of God and that we are with you now and that we are in your kingdom and that we are in on our way to heaven. And for that, we say thank you. And Lord, we pray right now that you would be with your people as we leave this place here today. Lord, help us to realize that every day we must go before you and ask you for the strength that we need to honor you and to live for you and to serve you faithfully for that day, Lord God. Bless and encourage and touch and minister. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless your church. Thank you so much for coming out. Those of you that need any personal ministry, you need prayer, please come on up. We will pray with you here this morning. We're going to ask God. We'll anoint you with oil. We'll ask God to help you with whatever it is that you're experiencing. Thank you, Jesus.